You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you. I ask you to please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I just want to encourage you. Uh, you probably saw the table on, on your way in this morning. I want to encourage you to sign up for our fall Bible studies that will be going through the book of Colossians. You know, our, our church, the, our, the point of our church, what we want to do together is to make disciples and to make much of Jesus. And critical to that, essential to that, is us being people of the book. And whether you've been in a dozen Bible studies throughout your lifetime, or maybe this would be the first one that you've ever been to where it would be a interacting with a passage one week and circling and noting things and asking questions and applications, whether you've done it a million times or this will be the first time, I am confident you will benefit from it. And here's why. The Bible is for everyone. The Bible's for everyone, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're an engineer or a delivery driver or a pastor or a dentist or an engineer, a salesperson, a working mom, single, married, old, young. The, the Bible is for you, and we want to teach it to you. So for 11 weeks, you'll be getting into the text of Colossians in a Bible study that we had commissioned by someone who's on the curriculum writing team at the Village Church with Jen Wilkin. And you're gonna learn the book. You're gonna discuss it with others. In a small, small group, you're gonna hear a large group teaching time. And it, the cost is $25 and space is limited. And already our Sunday morning class is over half full. Um, that's a perk coming to the first service. They heard it before you. And so it's already half full. So you need to sign up today. And so you, you see the time. So we have Sunday morning for men and women together, uh, married, singles, all, all together there, studying together in the first service. And it's, it's perfect because you can come, to, I'm sorry, in the second service, you can come to the first service as a family, and then you can go to the second service, send your kids to their classes. You can go to your class as well. It's going to be great. Then we have just a men's gathering on Monday night at 8 p.m. at the church office. And then we have two ladies gatherings throughout the week for 11 weeks. And the first one is on Wednesday during the day. And the location of this one is, get ready for this, the location is at the old Redeemer building. We sold it this past week. It's official. It's done. So praise God for that. Amen. It's sold. And now... The people that bought the building is a group of refugees from Laos, uh, First Baptist Lao Church. They now own that building, and they're going to let us meet there on Wednesdays to have our women's Bible study. And so child care will be available there as well from birth through K, so you need to sign up for that. And then the last women's uh, gathering is on Thursday nights in Old Town Tomball. So these start the week of September 8th, so you need to dive in, get ready, get your book, do week one, get ready to show up for your first week of class. So you can sign up today at the table out in the foyer, or the even easier way is to download the Church Center app on your phone. If you haven't got it already, do it now when I'm done and church is done. Uh, don't do it while we're praying. But like, I bet I can do it real quick. No, just wait. But get the app and you can sign up there. You can sign up for all kinds of stuff that happens in our church. Uh, you can even give. You can set up all kinds of things in there. That's how I sign up for events is through the Church Center app. So be sure to do that or they can help you uh, at the table after the service and they would love to get you signed up and get you ready. 
So sign up for Bible study. It's going to be great. And we're going to do an Old Testament book in the spring. It's going to be, we're going to have a great culture of Bible study in, in Redeemer Church. Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 11 as we go back into uh, the sermon. So here in Matthew 11, after Jesus is done interacting with the doubts of John the Baptist that we saw last week and with the lament of the cities and the people that have rejected him, now this passage, it turns and it puts the heart of Jesus on display. Spurgeon, the great British preacher, he noted that this passage is the only one in the New Testament that shows us explicitly the heart of Christ. In this passage, you see the inner mechanisms of the heart of Jesus. What's his psyche, his drive, his personality? What spills out of him? This is it. Matthew eleven twenty five 25 through 30. So if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. It'll also be up on the screen. Matthew writes by the spirit to us. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Let's pray together. Holy Father, reveal it to us today. The goodness and grace and kindness of your son. May we be like infants now. Help us, King Jesus. And we, we don't have our lives together. We are not people who have figured it out. We need you now. So help us today. By your spirit, we ask. In your name, Jesus, amen. You may be seated. I, I love this call to worship that many churches have used and, and we've used it before too. It, I love how it starts and how it ends. It says, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who mourn and long for comfort, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares, and to all who fail and desire strength, to all who sin and need a savior, and to all who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and to whoever will come, this church opens wide her doors and offers her welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's beautiful. And that is the pulse of Matthew 11 today. This passage, 25 through 30, I think it might be my favorite passage in the whole Bible. And I know you may have heard me say that Galatians 2.20 is my favorite verse. I put that on Facebook this morning. This is my favorite passage in the Bible. And I'm not kidding. Within two minutes, I got a text message from somebody. You already abandoned Galatians 2.20? I said, hold on. Passage versus verse. It's different. I love Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is my favorite sentence from Paul. My favorite verse. But my favorite passage, it has to be these words from Jesus. 
right here. They, they minister to me at levels in my heart and mind that I frequently need. These words, when I read them and think about them and meditate on them and just thinking about each phrase, they leave me in awe of Jesus. And it, what he always does when I read this is he torpedoes my misconceptions about him. And I always rejoice and say, thank you, Jesus. You sunk my battleship of my misconceptions about you because we all need that. Because sometimes we freighter in what we think Jesus is like. He's like this. This is how he actually operates. This is what he's about. Or sometimes we project ourselves onto Jesus. This is what Jesus is like. And what Jesus kindly does in this passage, he says, you know, guys, actually, I'm like this. And this is what we need. And I trust by God's spirit, these words will minister to you too, as they have to me and, and do and have all morning. And here's the first thing we see about Jesus. Jesus is for the unimpressive. He is for the unimpressive. Look at verse 25 in Matthew 11. So at that time, Jesus said, he's after dealing with the doubts of John, lamenting over the cities that have rejected him, he now prays for us all to hear. I praise you, Father. Look at who his father is. Lord of heaven and earth, God the Father. Because you have hidden these things. What, what things? Who he is, the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior. You have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and what? Revealed them to infants. This is the first thing we see. These things of the gospel of Christ, the Messiah, who he is, these salvation, forgiveness, redemption, they're hidden from the smarty pants of the world. They're hidden from those who have it all together. Who gets it? Look at, look at the word Jesus uses. Who gets it? Infants. Is there anyone in existence more helpless than an infant? I mean, picture an infant with me. They can't walk. They can't feed themselves. They can't talk. They poop everywhere. Ruin their clothes. I remember when Oliver was an infant, he was too short for his, my son, who's now five, he was too short. He's gonna love this story when he gets older. He, he was too short for his uh, you know, baby jumper. And so I had to put some books underneath so he could touch it with his feet and get some bounce. He pooped all over the place. Ruined my books. Dancing in his poop for the two minutes I went into the kitchen. Ruined the rug. Jesus says, I'm for people who poop all over their life. You infants, us infants. Just sleep, cry, whine, make messes everywhere. And all you do is receive help and constant supervision from others. Jesus says, that's who gets my good news of the gospel the people who make messes everywhere they go, the people that are totally helpless and they know it, the people that have quit faking it, the people that stumble, the people that can't get their act together, the people who need constant supervision, Jesus says, I'm giving you the good news of grace, the greatest gift ever, because this, this is true, beloved. Grace flows downhill. Grace flows downhill and meets us in the low places. That's just the way God is. It's not the impressive. Look what he says, the wise, the intelligent. It's not the impressive that understand it. And in context, the Pharisees, the rabbis, the scholars, the large, impressive, powerful. And this is true just throughout history, by and large. 
the uber successful, the uppity, they reject Jesus. They don't want what he offers. They don't want him. They don't perceive their need. The elite of society, the people whose life always clicks, who always get what they want, who always achieve, the savvy, successful, they don't perceive their need. As Ted Turner once said, Christianity is a religion for losers. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. I have to agree. That is one of the best assessments of Christianity I've ever heard. It is the losers. It is the unimpressive. It is the stragglers, the failures, the screw-ups, the nobodies, the bumblers who get into the kingdom of God. Because they realize I don't measure up. I need Jesus. As he says in the book of Isaiah, yet to such a one I look. Where does God's gaze go? To the poor and brokenhearted who's concerned about my word. To the poor and brokenhearted, that's where God looks. But see, some of us think I need to impress God and others. I gotta come to church. I gotta be impressive. I gotta lie about my marriage. I gotta lie about my parenting. I gotta lie about my soul. I gotta, I gotta bolster my image up to make sure I got all together so I can fit in. That actually repels God. That doesn't draw you closer to him. The book of James says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace flowing downhill to the humble. As he says in Psalm 138, though the Lord is exalted, he is huge and high and lifted up. He takes note of those downhill. He takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance. Oh, I know you, but I am repelled I'm not close to you. Big dealness keeps you from seeing. But if you know you are like an infant, in some way, you can be successful. There's nothing wrong with that. You can, you, can, you can figure out business. You can figure out parenting or whatever. But if you know in your soul and heart that you really are stuck on a blanket, chewing on your own feet, you are in a good place. And Jesus now says, let me tell you how you became a Christian. Have you ever thought about that? How did I become a Christian? It's not because you cracked the code, you figured it out, and you were just smarter than the average bear. That's not it. Look at verse 27. Jesus says, I'll tell you how you became a Christian, how you became my disciple. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And look at what's next. Look what's next. Not a period. This verse would be totally discouraging if it read, no one knows the son except the father. No one knows the father except the son, period. We'd read that and go, man, there's no hope. But there's an and. And anyone. And anyone to whom the son desires to reveal him. You know how you became a Christian? because Jesus wanted you to be one. That is the only explanation. Because Jesus desired to reveal it to you. Jesus loved you and wanted you to know him. You didn't figure it out. You weren't good enough. You weren't impressive enough. You were there pooping on yourself on a blanket and Jesus says, I love you. I'm gonna die for you and rise for you. 
You became a Christian because you saw the cross of Christ, not as just a piece of jewelry, not as just a, an icon of history, but as a payment for your sins. And you saw the tomb of Christ and you saw that it's empty. And you saw that he did it for you all by faith, helpless, stuck, endangered you, but he did it because he loves you. You saw your lowliness and you saw his greatness and saw these are not at odds, but that, that these are actually exactly how it needs to be. Because the next thing we see about Jesus is Jesus invites us to himself. Look at verse 28. It's all this is true from 25 to 27. 28, amazing. Come to me. Just listen to those words from this man from Galilee. Come to me. This invitation to everyone in this room. Come to me. In Greek, it's, it's more of a single word kind of imperative and kind of directive word here. Here. Just right here. All of you who are weary and heavy laden and burned out on life, here. Right here. This is a crystal clear statement on the essence of Christianity. I mean, why Christianity? Him. Why is any of this happening? Why read our Bibles? Why gather? Why do any of this? Him. We're going to him. We rest in him. We find shelter in him. So we just cannot stress enough in our area what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying when he says, come to me. He is not saying what we often hear, what many people hear. Come to Christianity. He does not say come to Christianity. Christianity doesn't save anyone. Jesus does. Some of us need to be saved from our Christianity. Some of us need to be saved from our false conversions. Some of us need to be saved from clinging to a prayer that we were forced to pray when we were little. And we need to come to Jesus. He doesn't say come to a church service. Church doesn't raise people from the dead. Jesus does. Now we come here because we have been raised from the dead. Because we are walking with Jesus together. We're going to him together. He doesn't say come to a baptism, come to a confirmation, come to the best version of yourself, come to theology, come to doctor. No, all of it is come to me. It's wonderful because this is a living, breathing, loving Jesus of Nazareth. Theology doesn't love you. Church doesn't love you. Christianity is just a thing. It doesn't love you, but Jesus loves you. And he invites you to, he invites us broken down sinners. Just broken down jalopies on the side of the road. He invites you. I will tow you into my kingdom. Come to me and I will give you rest. See, he isn't standoffish with us. This is what I love about Jesus. See, you may be tempted to think, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not like everyone else in this room who grew up in church. Well, you don't know everybody in this room. I've made a huge mess of my life. My past is too much. These are all clean cut together people. If you knew what I knew about everybody in this room, whoo, I just know a little bit. If we knew what Jesus knew about everybody in this room, man. But Jesus says, come to me. Bring your stuff. All of you. Look at what he says. See, we want to exempt ourselves because of what we've done. Our past is too much. No, no. Look what Jesus says. Come to me, all of you. No exclusions. No thinking, well, he's not talking about me. 
he means everyone but me. No, friend, he means you. You know, when you get a letter in the mail, you get all that junk mail, you are pre-qualified for this card, pre-qualified for this card, pre-qualified for this card. This next sentence is one little piece of mail you don't want to throw away. You are pre-qualified for his offer. See See the preconditions? All of you who are what? Weary and burdened. You are pre-qualified. To the broken down, tired. Those who are just worn out by life, spinning their tires. Those who often feel like, I can't adult today. Jesus says, come to me. Those worn out from trying to keep up with others. Those who are burdened by trying to be impressive. Who are trying, those who are trying to be that parent, those who are trying to be that dad or that mom or that friend, that coworker, come to me. Maybe you're just worn out from how you've been trying to do religion. That's what was happening here in this context. These people are worn out from the Pharisees and the rabbis and their teachings and all their extra things, exhausted, just burned out at their end of their rope. Listen, if you're way down from your past and your mistakes, or maybe it's sins that you've committed that scare you, or you're just haunted by how you raised your kids, you're weary from a ruined business deal, you're, you're lugging around regrets, you're, you're confused about LGBTQ+, you feel like a loner, you're not sure if you fit in anywhere, Jesus says, all of you, come to me. And he isn't kidding Come to me. And you see why? Look at what he says. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened and what? And I will give you rest. Before we can even think about rest, we just got to focus on those three words. I will give. That's that phrase, those three words. That is grammar of the gospel. I will give. God is constantly giving to us. The gospel is not coming to God and then, okay, now earn it. Now figure it out, achieve, climb, accomplish. It's him giving. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Jesus says, I will give you rest. He gave us his life. He gave us himself. He gave up himself on the cross. He gave up his last breath so we could breathe again. And then he rose from the dead so we could rise from the dead. See, friend, Jesus invites us to himself the unimpressive. And he promises us rest. Look at what he says. And I will certainly, done, count on it. I will give you rest. Ah, that word rest. It could be translated and and interpreted all kinds of different ways. Relief. I'll give you comfort. I'll give you refreshing. I'll give you energy. Jesus has a heart for broken people like us. If you ever worked out in the yard this summer and and nearly passed out because it's 100 million degrees, digging, hauling dirt, sweaty, exhausted, and then you plop down in the shade or you you open up your water bottle and just chug it, that relief. Jesus says, that's what I give you. Because after sin entered the world in Genesis 3, what was part of the curse? Now you will toil 
by the sweat of your brow. You will be exhausted. You will, you will be weary and burdened now because of sin and the effects that sins brings into this world. And Jesus now steps in as the promise of Genesis 3.15, I will give you rest. I will reverse the curse that we heard back in the garden. And I will be your redeemer. I will give you deliverance from all your sins and all the things that wear you out, all of your rap sheet, I'm for you. And I wonder, have you gone to him? I know a lot of us have gone to church for years. That's not what I'm asking or what Jesus is asking. Some of us are clinging to a confirmation or clinging to a baptism. None of those things will save you on the final day. Have you clung to Christ? He invites you to him by faith. Come to me, to me, and I will give you rest. I will give you salvation. I will give you relief. I will give you relief from the fear that you don't measure up. I will give you relief from the fear that you may not make it to the final day. I will give you refreshing that you are loved. And I will give you comfort that you aren't ignored by God. See, in Jesus now, he gives us this, this re-energizing approach to life when he gives us rest. The, the rest that Jesus gives, it isn't a Christian recliner. Ah, I'm saved, this is great. I can just sit back and do nothing now. No, don't, you don't, the rest he gives isn't a, I don't have to worry about obeying Jesus. I don't have to worry about following the, the laws that he lays out. I don't have to worry about evangelism. I don't have to worry about loving my neighbors. That's not real rest. Jesus, when he gives us rest, this rest reforms us and energizes us and catalyzes us into new life. Look what he says in 29, verse 29. So I'll give you rest, 29. Take up my yoke. So from rest to take up. Take up my yoke and learn from me. So we go from rest to something that is non-rest, farm equipment. You ever looked at farm equipment and go, well, that's restful. But with Jesus, it's different. See, yokes, these are for work, doing stuff. And it's Y-O-K-E, not Y-O-L-L-K. It's not the egg stuff. Sometimes you can read this and go, man, I don't get how eggs, that has nothing to do with it. This is, yokes are for doing stuff. Jesus didn't say, take my chair. That's what a lot of us think. Take my yoke. So Jesus is saying that, he's saying, you and I are gonna work together. It's my yoke. And listen, no one ever spoke like this in all of human history. The rabbis, scholars, teachers at this time, they said things like, take up the yoke of the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Take up those books, put them on, live them. Take up the yoke of the Torah, take up the yoke of the Torah. Jesus steps in and says, excuse me guys, take up my yoke. Elevating himself over every other human teacher. Take up my words, take up my teachings the Torah, all of it, me, take up my yoke, what I have to give to you, because you and I, I have something for you. Listen, yoke, that's a heavy piece of wood, it's giant. And it was used to link two farm animals together to get them to move the plow, to move the wagon, move the cart, whatever needed to be done, link them together and get them to do it. And Jesus, he might be reminding us, he might be reminding us of what he said in Matthew 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Take up my yoke. You and I are gonna get into the harvest together now. 
and we're gonna harvest for the kingdom. We're gonna make disciples together. I'm gonna work alongside you. We're gonna work together. Now, I'm gonna be pulling a lot of it with your little skinny shoulders, but I'm gonna be pulling too. And Jesus is okay with that. He knows we're gonna be pulling. I'm gonna be doing the most of it, but we're gonna work together. And sometimes farmers had to yoke two animals together where one was much stronger and then the other, one's a little scrawny little, little guy, or the one was older, wiser, knew how to, the farmer wanted to work. The other one knew or young, ready to go oxen. No, 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 we gotta get them together. You're gonna learn from this other ox how it's gonna be done. That's why Jesus says, take up my yoke and now learn from me. You're gonna learn from me. Jesus looks at us and smiles, us weaklings. Some of you will love this. Uh, Jesus looks at us screech powers of the world. Us beanpole believers and says, take my yoke. Let's work together. You're gonna walk next to me. You're gonna learn from me. I just picture the movie Twins. Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So there are some churches that tell you, you're the Arnold Schwarzenegger. They're lying to you. We are the Danny DeVitos of the kingdom. And Jesus says, that's who I want. That's who I need. That's who's gonna work with me. And that's who, as Jesus says next, they will learn from me. This is a new reformation of life. Learning from him. Learning how to live in this world, how to live as new creations. Learning the Sermon on the Mount, how to handle your anger. We're learning from him. How to think about marriage, we're learning it from him. Learning his works, learning how to live like him, how to imitate him. It's like we're being pulled with the yoke next to him. Okay, that's how he's doing it. That's how I'm gonna do it. That's how he says to do it. That's how I'm gonna do it. That's how Jesus says to address the situation. That's how I'm gonna address the situation. We're just copying him, being imitators of him. That's what Christians are, little Christs. We're just being like our Lord. And listen, beloved, you, you are all, we are all constantly learning. Everything you hear, everything you see, everything you read, everything you watch, everything you listen to, it's teaching us. You have a million data points coming at you every week and they're all teaching you, whether it's from the world or from peers, from coworkers, family members, YouTube, movies, entertainment, music, podcasts. You are learning from all of these data points how to think about work, how to think about money, how to, how to gauge success, how to think about sexuality and finances and friendships and how to define significance and suffering and, and loss and parenting and singleness and purpose. You are learning all of these things constantly from the world. That's why Jesus says now, learn from me. Learn these from me. I will teach you a, a, the right, godly, the way that it makes sense for marriage. Learn from me. I will teach you about singleness, Jesus says. He was single. I'm gonna teach you about significance. It's not in the world. I, I, you'll learn significance from me. This is what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ, learning from him and being yoked to him. And learning from Jesus isn't a burden. What does he say? Verse 30, my yoke is easy. My burden's light. If your approach to Christianity is difficult and challenging and backbreaking, you're not doing it right. You're just not. You can't be, according to Jesus. 
If your way in thinking of reading the Bible is a burden, you're doing it wrong. Maybe it's upside down. I don't know what you're doing. Top to bottom, left to right. If your approach to prayer and spiritual disciplines and coming to community, coming to church on Sunday mornings, if it's a burden, you're not doing it right. See, the Pharisees, Jesus rebukes them. They put heavy burdens on people. Matthew 23, Jesus says the Pharisees, they tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders. And they themselves, they aren't willing to lift a finger to help move them. But the way of Jesus, he says, it's easy. It's light. His commands aren't a chore. Learning from him isn't a chore. This is the way of God's grace. Resting and running. This is what Jesus is telling us. You rest with him and then we run the race with him. And those who have ears to hear will understand what Jesus is saying. God's grace is us resting and running with the risen Lord. Being united, yoked, tethered to him forever and it's glorious and it's helpful and inspiring and motivating and encouraging and reviving because Jesus is amazing. This is, this is the part that Spurgeon noticed is only here, explicit in the New Testament. The, the heart of Jesus, right here. Verse 29, take up my yoke and learn from me. Notice he says, learn from me, not learn about me. It's easy to learn about Jesus. Read some Christology, re- learn some atonement theories, read some Christian theology books. That's easy. Disciples learn from me. Disciples learn from Jesus. And why? Why should we feel comfortable, rested, revived, safe, being yoked to Jesus? If you ever done like a group project in school or at work and you have a bad partner, what happens? Ugh, you end up doing all the work. Are there a, a jerk to work with? Oh, it's so unpleasant. It matters a lot who you're partnered with. So why should we find rest for partnered yoked with Christ? 29, take up my yoke and learn from me because here's why you can come to me. Here's why all the weary and burdened can come to me. Here's why you will get rest. Here's why you'll be revived. Here's why you'll be comforted because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. You know what Jesus just told us? You know why you can come to me? Because I'm not a jerk. Christians can be jerks. Jesus says, but you can come to me. I'm not cruel. I am humble and lowly in heart. This is the very core of his personality. His, what drives him, his psyche, his, the psychology of Jesus, the mind and heart and function of Jesus is this, humble and lowly in heart. And these words are nearly synonymous. He's just kind of doubling down on this of who he is. One Greek dictionary talks about that first word lowly as, as someone who isn't impressed at their own self-importance. Someone who isn't impressed with their own self-importance. Could there be anyone more important than Jesus? And he's like, yeah. Like, I'm walking on water. He's like, yeah, I know. He's not impressed at his own self-importance. But you and I do something cool, or we're like, bam, we want the whole world to know. 
But Jesus is Jesus. The word is also gentle, humble, considerate. There's one way you could translate this word. You ever think of Jesus as considerate? Like we think of God as somebody with a hammer and lightning or a whip and whipping us into transformation. You went to church today. How come you're not totally changed? How did that 37-minute sermon not totally rechange and rewire your entire life? Jesus is considerate. He knows it takes time. Learn from me. We're going to be plowing for a while. He's humble and gracious. He doesn't swagger around because he's the son of God. He comes to us saying, I'm gentle. You can bring your stuff to me. I'm considerate. He's the most gentle person you'll ever encounter. He's not looking to rub our faces in the dirt when we trip and fall. There is a a profound disarming gentleness to Jesus. I I just picture him as that when we sin and when we fail and when we're struggling and when we're struggling to do all the certain things that disciples are called to do to carry that yoke, he has a tender heart towards us. A sympathetic smile towards us. No eye rolling, no are you kiddingness to him. He's gentle. He isn't cruel. This is why you can go to him and bring your real self. Don't bring your church self to him. Don't bring your Bible belt self to him. He doesn't want anything to do with that. He wants your real self. Bring it to him because he is lowly and humble in heart. You can exhale when you're around Jesus. He's not gonna run you out of town. He was already run out of town for you when he was crucified outside the walls of Jerusalem because he is humble in heart. He's unpretentious. He's the most unpretentious person you've ever met. He's ready to serve you. Jesus is amazing. He's the most surprising and inviting person in the world. And that's who we offer each other. This is the real Jesus. Not the versions that, of the churches we had growing up. Not the versions that we think Jesus must be like. This one. This is the one we offer to North Houston and the nations. This is the one we offer each other. And we all need an accurate picture of Jesus because we've all smuggled in different versions of him. He's actually like this. He's like this. This is what he gets upset about. This is what he likes. This is what he expects. You get rid of all of those and have this one who invites broken down sinners to himself, who promises to give you rest, and then who promises to give you new life, a new way to walk about this life, a new way to carry your responsibilities. It's not a shirking of life, but a new way to carry all of them with him, inviting sinners to himself. So go to him. And let's go to him now. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.